0: If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just wanna talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Oh God, we give you thanks for your love and grace. We give you thanks for this third Sunday of the Lenten season. We are well into our Lenten disciplines. We are praying for Journey Home every day. We have our puzzle pieces and our remembering to be about that important work as a church family, our prayer focus for this Lenten season. We pray now for your Holy Spirit to come in a fresh and powerful way. Open our hearts and minds, our lives, to what you say to us today through these ancient, challenging words which come from the mouth of Jesus. We ask all of this in his name, and together we say, Amen. Let's look at chapter 13. Let's hear the Word of God. At that very time, now when you see at that very time, that helps us know we need to connect Chapter 13 with chapter 12, it all kind of flows together. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or what about those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here... For three years, I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and still I find none. Cut it down. What did he say? Cut it down. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, the gardener replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not you can cut it down. This is the Word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. I grew up uh, worried about a lot of things, but I grew up worried about why bad things happen to good people, and why good things happen to bad people, and why tragic things Ever happen at all. Anybody else know about being worried about those things? Yeah, we worry about those things. I still think about all of that stuff a lot. I still think about it every day. I remember a boy in our class named Ernie. Uh, Ernie was born into just abject poverty. His parents uh, just really didn't know how to care for him. They didn't know, it seemed, about anything. They lived in a barn for a while. We all knew when he lived in a barn. Lived in a really rough house for another time. Lived in, in a car for, for quite a long time, actually. Lived in a car right kind of in the middle of town. Ernie was supposed to be two or three grades ahead of us, but uh, teachers had just started doing that uh, social promotion thing just to get him moving along by the time we caught up with him. Ernie was slow, we all said he was slow. We now know he had at least half a dozen learning disabilities, couldn't read anything. When we were little, when he was little too, he was really delightful. Just a lot of fun to be with, to play with on the playground. He was always just full of a smile and joy. But the older we got, the more we kept Ernie at arms length we wanted him away from us we all thought there was something wrong with him something bad wrong with him like maybe like maybe somebody had done something really bad and ernie was the punishment you know what i mean like somebody had done something really bad and ernie was the punishment he he became almost a warning to the rest of us. We come to Luke chapter 13 on the hills of Luke chapter 12, which is a chapter full of warnings and admonitions. It is a very hard chapter for 21st century Christians to read because it doesn't really fit with our sweet little Sunday school Jesus picture. These warnings and admonitions about judgment culminate in some scary words. Chapter 13, verse 5, you just heard them, repent or perish. Can you say that? Ooh, makes me shiver. Repent or perish. That's what Jesus says, chapter 13, verse 5. Repent or perish. Let's look at what's happening in chapter 13. So these people who have gathered, they have heard Jesus talking about warnings and admonitions and judgment. It gets them them to thinking deeply about how God's judgment will work, and they want to be sure they are right about how... God's judgment will work. They want to get that right. And so they bring an example of what they think is sin and judgment to see if they are on the same page with Jesus. No surprise, they are not on the same page with Jesus. And Jesus has a wonderful chance to clarify what He's talking about. So... uh, We get to chapter 13 and they roll out their story. Some supposedly faithful Galileans were making their sacrifices on the altar when Pilate, the governor of Judea, had them slaughtered, had them slaughtered in such a way that their own blood mingled with the blood of of their sacrifices. Can you imagine something like that happening right here in worship on a Sunday morning? That's what happened to them. They were slaughtered at the altar while they were in worship making their sacrifices. The common religious thinking of the day was that because of their wickedness and sin, God allowed them to be killed in this horrific way. It must be God's judgment at work. It must be. That's just the only thing it can be. Now, that is actually not that hard for us to understand. Just go back to some natural disaster like Hurricane Katrina, earthquakes, tornadoes, whatever. There's always somebody in the supposedly Christian world who raises the question of what? Judgment, specifically God's judgment. For example, Katrina was supposed to be God's judgment against the wickedness of New Orleans. You remember hearing that. We heard about it in the news and all over the place. We know this way of thinking. We know, I think, intuitively that it's wrong, but it still creeps into our own practice of religion too. We can, if we stay with that, we can begin to think that a personal catastrophe or some kind of a disaster is actually God's judgment on our sin. We can begin to think that way. The problem is, when you turn that logic upside down, what you have is if I don't have a personal disaster or catastrophe, then I am not sinful and I am living in God's favor because I am not sinful. (laughs) This is exactly the kind of thinking that Jesus flags in verse 2 when he says, were these worse sinners than all the other Galileans? What does he say? No, of course not. No, they were not. Then verse 4, what about the 18 innocent people who were killed when a massive tower fell on them in an accident? Were they worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? What does Jesus say? He answers our question. No, they were not worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem Jesus is trying to help us see there is something very different about God's judgment than this still common misconception, which he very clearly refutes. But he still says, he still says, if you do not repent, you will die just like all these others. We understand that Jesus is saying we're all going to die, whether you're good or bad or some complicated mixture thereof. Death comes to us all, and death will come whenever it comes. But what does he mean by unless you repent? Unless you repent. He's talking about conversion. Do you remember your conversion? Do you remember We must all be converted from the world's shallow, selfish, broken way of understanding life and death and even God's judgment. We must be converted from that to God's new way, which we find in Jesus. Not being converted leaves you in the way of death. Jesus says, be converted to the way of Jesus so that you may find life. Do you remember your conversion? It is dangerous to be walking around not being converted. It is dangerous. By the time our class got to the sixth grade, Ernie had started to turn inward. We all noticed that. He was already a teenager. He was quite a bit older than us. He could feel... Our scorn, our disdain, the whole class felt the same way about him. He heard our snickering about how he smelled and about how dumb he was. Nobody had to tell us to practice social distancing with Ernie. We kept him at a good six feet plus away from everybody. It was necessary because of the smell. Ernie was so far behind that there were active discussions about putting him back in his right grade so we could just fast-forward to the part where he fails out of high school. (laughs) They were talking about that in the front office at the school. But that plan did not sit well with our sixth-grade teacher, Ms. Ernestine Jones. Ms. Jones was uh, no child left behind, and it takes a village before either of those things existed. (laughs) Ms. Jones had a plan. The only problem was that plan involved several of us whom she called together one day before school started. She painted a bleak picture of Ernie's future for us if we didn't help him. She told us she'd already bought him some clothes. She had started picking him up early, getting him some breakfast, bringing him to the school so he could use the locker room to shower and dress in his good clothes. She had already started doing all of that. She explained then that I, she called me Shelly. She said, Shelly, you're going to help him Monday and Wednesday with math and science. That's what's going to happen. And she turned to April and said, April, you're going to help him with English on Tuesday. And Robin is going to help him with social studies on Thursday. And then she turned to Mr. Crestview Middle School, Lucas, Mr. Popular. Lucas was to take him under his wing and to include him in every conceivable way, in the lunchroom, at P.E., in the hallway, at recess, wherever. And then we were all to be there on Friday mornings before school started so that we could talk through a study plan for the weekend, homework that had to be done, tests we had to prepare for. We were all to be together to do that with him. It was a great plan, a wonderful plan, except for the four very unwilling participants. We all let Ms. Jones know that we were not going to do that. We said, absolutely not. We don't have time. He stinks. People will think we're like him. One of us was crying by the time we got through telling Ms. Jones. I'm not going to tell which one of us was crying, but it was one of the boys. One of us was crying by the time we got through telling Ms. Jones we were not going to be part of her little plan. She said, are you all finished? Are you finished? Yes, ma'am, we're finished. And then she said, let me tell y'all something. I see y'all coming out of those big churches every Sunday. Her church was right in the middle of the four big churches. She could actually see us coming out of our churches every Sunday morning. She said, I see y'all coming out of those churches with your hair just right and your nice clothes and your shiny shoes. Are y'all learning anything about Jesus in those churches? We said, oh, yes, ma'am, he's our Savior. We love Jesus. Jesus loves us. Don't you love Jesus, Miss Jones? Don't you love Jesus? She said, if you you loved Jesus, you would know already that Jesus loves Ernie the same way he loves you, and that it is time for you to love Ernie as you love yourself. Then she looked us in the eye and said, we start next week. We start next week. If you'd like to finish the sixth grade, you'll be here on time. (laughs) Repent. Repent. Or perish, (laughs) be converted to the way of Jesus. Jesus went on to tell a parable to help folks understand conversion and judgment. A man had a fig tree. It wasn't bearing any fruit. That man said to his gardener, three years I've been coming out here looking for fruit, fruit on this tree and there's not any. Cut that thing down. It is a waste of space. It is a waste of life. Ernie wasn't bearing any fruit. Promote him to high school so he can go ahead and fail out. Cut him down. Cut him down. That's the way of the world. Ernie was clearly not bearing any fruit, but neither were we. Neither were we. The gardener said, Give me one more year. Let me work on this thing. Let me dig around and put some good stuff on it, some triple 15, Ms. Tammy. Let me put some triple 15 on this thing, and let's just see what happens. See if we don't have some fruit next year. If not, you can cut it down next year. In these few verses, 6, 7, 8, 9, you see both the patience and the work of God's judgment. We must be converted to that patience and that work, or we ourselves will perish. Sixth grade was tough, really, really, really tough. Seventh grade was tougher. It was miserable, but Ernie passed on his own merits in the seventh grade. Eighth grade came. Ernie became delightful again, mainly because he got a driver's license in the eighth grade. He didn't have a car, but he had a driver's license, and that was impressive to a bunch of eighth graders. We made it through eighth grade. We got to high school we didn't have Ms. Jones anymore, but we kept up our assignments. And I can remember the day Ernie took the ACT, he got an 18. Now, 18 is not real good on the ACT, but we were so proud and so happy we went to Pizza Hut to celebrate. We spent the afternoon eating pizza and celebrating an 18 on an ACT because it was Ernie, and it meant something to us. I remember the night of our high school graduation. Everything was over. People had made their pictures. The football field lights had come on. We were all scattering to family gatherings and parties and all at once. A little group just sort of emerged in the end zone. Lucas, Drew, April, Robin, Ernie, Ms. Jones. A God moment for sure. Ms. Jones hugged us all up and she said, I feel like Jesus is here at this graduation. Do y'all feel that? Do you remember your conversion to the way of Jesus? I remember mine. If you haven't had your conversion yet, there is still time. Just not much. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. In the name of Jesus, Amen.